0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second talk in the Thought Leadership series organized by Arden Market in partnership with Singapore Art Week 2021. My name is Ian T, and I'm Associate Editor at Arden Market. Over six panel discussions taking place in December and January, will explore individual and collective efforts on key issues and solutions in the local, regional, and international art scenes. Featuring voices from a variety of innovators This get-together is an opportunity to share knowledge about ways we can move synergistically into 2021. Today's talk is titled, Mix and it's a Match, cross Pollinations with Art. The lines around creative fields are increasingly blurred as individuals seek inspiration and collaboration beyond their immediate circles to music, theatre, film and writing. In this panel, artists who are comfortably occupying overlapping spaces open our minds to possibilities that come from marrying familiar ideas with unexpected ones to create surprising combinations that work. Before I begin, I would like to thank everyone for spending the next hour with us. And if you have a question for a panelist, you can type it out anytime at the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen. And we'll get to them during the Q&A section later. Right now, I'm pleased to um, introduce our panelists for this evening. We have artist Jeremy Sharma.
1: Hello. Uh,
0: Regina Di Rosario. Hi. Rizman Putra.
2: Hello.
0: And Salty CTN. Hi. This discussion will be moderated by Sean Chua. I'm sorry.
3: Hi. Um, thank you so much, Ian. Hi, Jeremy, Regina, Rizman, and CTR. I am really excited to have all of you on this panel. Um, so today, we'll be talking a lot about uh, your practices. And I know that each of you are coming up from very diverse um, entry points into this conversation about cross-disciplinary um, collaborations and and, and uh, the, the process of making these artworks. I think oftentimes, uh, we don't hear so much about what happens behind the scenes, uh, what are some of the challenges that happen, um, and some of the opportunities that present themselves uh, in the process of these interdisciplinary conversations. Um, So before that, I'd like to start by maybe inviting each of you to um, speak a little bit about your projects, which will be on view during the Singapore Art Week in 2021. Uh, Maybe we'll start with Regina. Regina, I know you'll be presenting a new work as part of um, Perception 3 in the Bus Stop Art Project. Uh, Maybe you can start by telling us a little bit more about Perception 3 and what you will be showing.
4: Hi, Sean. Um, Well, in spite of its name, Perception 3 actually features just two people. It's myself, and it was also co-founded by uh, Xia Si Yun, who is a design practitioner. and We established ourselves in 2007 as a way of wanting to work between the visual arts and design and to see what we could create um, through that intersection. And we began with photography work, uh, video work. Um, But since 2016, uh, when we were invited to be part of the Singapore Biennale then, uh, we began looking closely at site-specific installation. Mm -hmm. And this is a segue into what we're doing for Singapore Art Week. Um, This project called Bus Stop Art, is curated by Marin Trevithan and Amelia Abdul And it features 10 Singapore-based artists. And what we've been asked to do or invited to do is to occupy bus shelters and, and the advertising spaces uh, in the vicinity of these bus stops um, along Route 175, which brings us from Kalang all the way down to the Gilman Barracks area, where the rest of the Singapore Art Week activities will be. So for our work, uh, which is entitled You Will Not Feel This Way Forever, as it says in that poster there, this is an artist's impression that we put together uh, as part of our proposal. And essentially it's a print campaign. Uh, It will be at three bus stop shelters. um, And you can look up the locations uh, on the Bus Stop Art website as well as the Singapore Art Week website. Um, And essentially what we wanted to do was to try to just put out a print campaign um, that was text-based that was a sentiment that was going to reflect, you know, really the time that we're living in. And we saw this text, You Will Not Feel This Way Forever, as something that we were telling ourselves as a means of comforting ourselves. But we also um, employed it as, you know, in its sense of duality because there's so much ambiguity in our future as well. So you may feel good or positive one day, and then things might change in just a day, as we've seen in this past year. So that essentially is what um, we've come up with. And uh, so for for audiences and the public to actually just look out for it, and we'd love to hear their responses as they're traveling on the bus or as they're encountering this in public.
3: Thank you so much, Regina. Wow. Um, and I think next we've got Rizman. Rizman, I, I, I know you primarily as a very electric and um, versatile performer, right? And uh, I, I know that for Singapore Art Week, um, you'll be presenting your work as part of also the Bus Stop Art Project, um, but you'll also be developing a, a new work for the Asian Art Institute's um, online exhibition Open to Interpretation. Um, could you maybe briefly walk us through both projects? Alright. Uh. Alright. Thanks, John. Uh. For the Stop art project.
5: Uh. I'll be creating this piece called uh Jom Draw. I mean Jom in Malay means uh, let's go. It's an installation instructional drawing piece that involves uh public engagement. So actually, the the public can actually scan a QR code where there are manual instructions and videos. I mean they can, I mean they can enjoy drawing as an outlet to express themselves. I mean, you've got the fear of not having the desired set skills. So it's kind of like just an, an open open thing for them. Mm-hmm. So for the Asian Art Institute, I'll be presenting a video performance, uh, a piece called Smearing Impul- Impulsion. It's a documented performance. It's pretty much a, a straightforward piece. I spent about 36 hours drawing, and it's going to be compressed into a, a three-minute video work. So basically, it's the, the idea of uh, motion and time, body and energy, light and space. So at the moment, I'm, I'm still trying to finish up on the final cut. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
2: Thanks, Rosman. Um, great. Now we've got uh, Citi. Eh? CT, I know you'll be um, showing a work uh, which you'll be collaborating with Ila for uh, in a group exhibition at DEC that's titled um, On Off Screen. Uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about this work.
6: Yeah, um, it's curated by the Moving Pictures Experiment Group. And they're really looking at expanded cinema and challenging ways that moving images are exhibited in gallery spaces. So uh, when Ila and I got together, we decided to make a work that's about memory and family history and mortality and um, embodied knowledge that's carried within objects that are passed down uh, through family lines or part of family memories, and how all these form personal and collective mythologies. Um, So it's a video installation of skin uh, fading into each other, and then that's set within a room of objects, uh, which functions as kind of like an an energetic memory space. And we also have an open call for people to contribute uh, memories, family memories and identify objects from that that memory. And um, that will also be part of the exhibition and people can keep contributing during the exhibition. Uh, We also have a workshop um, with a performative element and sharing and and discussion as part of this whole thing. And I just remembered that I have this other thing at Singapore Art Week, which is not yet listed, which is a very different work. I'll just talk about it super briefly. Um, I've been the artist in residence at Bangkok Square for the last three, four months, and uh, this will be the exhibition uh, component of my time there. And the project is called Bangkok Mall Life Club, and it seeks to uh, reimagine life in the mall and think about what intimacy looks like in a mall.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Sihye. Um, yeah, I th- we'll have a really robust conversation after. Um, next, we've got Jeremy. Jeremy, uh, you have a work right now that's uh, in view at STPI, uh, titled Curtain. Could you tell us a little bit more about that, please? Yeah,
1: it's like early Christmas decoration. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm working with, um, yeah, it's an installation. Um, it's part of Tan Kuo Liang, uh, who is a curator and artist as well. He's involved in the show. It's part of his uh, exhibition, uh, which deals w- with dialogues on abstraction. So he's, he's invited several Singapore-based artists to showcase a work. In, in my case, this work was actually, um, it was done in 2017 for a solo exhibition uh, with uh, Solomon and Strum Gallery, and it was a show called Spectrum. And it was based on my research on um, uh, the, the, the idea of color, memory, and embodied experience. So, so um, in particular, this work um, is created through the translation of um, a video. And I converted the data into light impressions. And it's an installation that features also sound and atmosphere um, through the humidifier. And also, I'm looking at the connections between um, the relationships between, um, I guess, uh, machines, memory, and technology.
4: Mm.
1: Yeah, that's about
2: it. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, so thank you all so much for that very uh, quick teaser of your respective practices. I think one thing that's becoming very clear to me right now is that you know when we talk about um, cross Disciplinary collaborations there are really two aspects to this right one of which is that i think for each of you you are already your practices are um already very interdisciplinary right in the way in which you are approaching your work and um, you you are already uh, beginning to agitate against some of those boundaries that you're working within um, But then the other aspect of these cross-disciplinary collaborations uh, is when you are actively working with people who are um um you know who belong to other kinds of disciplines uh, within the arts or even beyond the arts, right? In uh, your know, collaborations, um, so I think at this point we're going to just have a, a, a conversation where um, I would maybe want to tease out a little bit more uh, about the processes in which uh, each of you are working with, um, and feel free to chime in uh, if you like, right? So I think maybe the first question I have I'm um, directed to Regina actually, so. Um, the thing is that in interdisciplinary collaborations, uh, one thing that maybe people who don't work with uh, those kinds of cross-disciplinary conversations, what they might not necessarily realize is the time that it often takes right, uh, for each collaboration just to kind of um, feel each other out or to kind of build a shared language for the projects. And so I'm curious, Regina, what was the process like for you, um, especially when you first founded Perception 3, right? Working with Suyin as a designer, what was the initial process of um, uh, trying to build a shared language like?
4: I think a lot of the conversations revolved around um, speaking about the mediums that we were familiar with. And I think when we first began, we had a common medium. And we were familiar with it, and that was photography. And um, although we approached it quite differently, I think Siyun is much more technically adept in every medium that she she wants to dabble in or go in, and and go into. Whereas I'm I I kind of approach um, mediums through a very conceptual lens. I don't know if that makes sense, but it usually begins with um, what do I want to say with this, or what do I want to say here through this platform. Um, and that's because I, I tend to focus a lot on narrative, the story that I want to tell. Um, I see myself, even though I'm a practicing visual artist, I see myself primarily as an, a writer. You know that, that is the thing that I'm most comfortable in, uh, the use of language. So so when we began, there was that common thing, there was that big overlap that we could, could use. And then it's like weighed into the use of video, which we were both unfamiliar with. But then we used the um, a way in by talking about video as photographers would talk about video. So if you look at some of the videos that were featured on our website, they're very still framed. They, they, they look like photographs that just happen to have little bits of movement in them. So we started with that. Um and then we we sort of pushed ourselves and then, like I said, you know, we pushed ourselves into this realm of working with site-specific art. And it was again about trying to find our way in through our respective areas of familiarity in order to build that new shared language between ourselves. Um, it gets a little bit tricky when we need to get our site-specific installations fabricated, because then you get to talk to other people who are more technically adept in building those things for you, uh, in which case then we go back to the idea of um, you know what is the purpose of this installation, what is it meant to say, what is it meant to narrate, and so on. So it, it goes from that. Um, that's how we conduct our conversations. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I really like what you said about um, identifying that kind of common shared um, base and then together kind of bring it into uncharted territory together, right? And you think that that kind of helps to to even the ground a little bit. I'm curious though about um, um, values, right? Because I think you were talking about how you approach these mediums conceptually uh, in, in terms of those kinds of narratives. Does that does that, is that something that uh, um, Suyin finds Herself and um, kind of responding to, or is that is there a process of friction uh, that emerges as well?
4: Um, I think in every collaboration there is a friction. I think some tensions will definitely surface, and I think it's it's about being open to that friction. So if if you want to talk about this in terms of what we value, I think we value that friction because we think it's important, and um, I don't think. It would be as exciting a collaboration or as meaningful a collaboration. We just say just went along with the first idea that pops up. So there's a lot of wrestling that happens in our conversations. Um, and really it's because we go from a point of familiarity to unfamiliarity. So there is usually a discomfort there that, that starts from there. And but then, you know, with that divergence, you know, you look at it and say, well, What can I do? With this, because then it becomes really interesting. Um, personally, through the collaboration, it's brought me to places where I may not have gotten there. I know that I wouldn't have gotten there if it if it wasn't for her to push me in a certain direction or with a certain way of looking at a medium differently. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think I think this conversation about the fault lines of frictions, right? These productive frictions um, across medium is going to be probably a point that will uh, recur. Mm-hmm. In our conversation as well, um, so I think I think similarly, you're also working um, in collaboration with um, a visual artist uh, who, well, who is also very interdisciplinary. Um, herself, Ila, right? Um, maybe was that process of working with Ila um quite similar to 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 what uh, Regina was describing earlier? I'm curious about um your experience uh, with that and how maybe you decided to to work on this project with ILA?
6: Mm. I think well I would aspire for my collaboration with ILA to go where perception 3 has gone but Ila only and I have only known each other for a few months so we're very new friends and collaborators. Um, I actually rarely work with other artists, uh, more with public participants in my more socially engaged projects so I wanted to collaborate with Ila as part of on off screen um, because I've always been interested in her practice and um, also felt like it was a good way to challenge myself and take myself to new places. And although our work manifests quite differently, but I think we resonate a lot on on intimacy and and tenderness and and closeness. Um, Maybe that's less overt in my work, especially my socially engaged work. Um and in a way I don't know if if one chooses collaborators as much as like that that union or that friendship happens to you I feel like there's a lot of serendipity and cosmic resonance involved in in who you you connect with um and and the time that we've spent together has been intimate like getting to know each other as friends and collaborators which has extended to sharing meals and and emotional support killing mosquitoes at Gilman Barracks, um, eating tose and, and such. Yeah. And um, I, I really like what Regina said about about leaning into that friction and that tension as a productive part of of collaborations.
2: Yeah, and I, I really like that you articulated all the non-productive part of, of these collaborations, right? All the the meals and I mean these are really actually and the well, at least in my experience, this is usually the foundation for a lot of these collaborations to, to even emerge. And um, acknowledging the, the time that's spent, right, just to build that level of trust to begin to be able to, to maybe risk and, and, and play with each other's um, languages and comfort levels. Um, I think one thing you also mentioned was, you know, your, your practice with socially engaged works. Um, I'm wondering whether you could walk us through a little bit of that as well, because I think that's a different kind of thinking about um, quote-unquote cross-disciplinary collaborations, right? Because there your collaborators are not necessarily uh, people who identify as artists, but then um, in a way you still have to, that, that process of having to build a shared language to communicate um, your intentions and ideas is, is also very critical within that, that field. So I'm curious to to maybe hear about your experience with that.
6: Yeah, so um, over the years I've worked quite a lot with seniors and then the, the last few years I've also worked with prisoners in a minimum security prison in the U.S. and uh, have done some pretty um, like pretty intense projects with both seniors and, and um, the group at the prison um, and, and they take place over months. And yeah, it, I think at the start, it's always important to, to really explain the whole framework of the project, how it's an art project and the structure that's going to happen and um, make everyone feel really safe and um, certain about, about kind of that, that framework that they're signing themselves up for. And and also the, the level of collaboration that, that is involved. Like the roles, for example. Like, um, for example, if if I came out with the concept and I'm inviting people into a framework, then then I, I don't pretend that we all came out with it together. I'm quite wary of like having the you know, artists as savior complex in, in community based projects. And I think so in, in those cases it's really important for everybody to understand the roles in which everybody functions so that that everybody has the right amount of like uh, emotional agency and creative agency and boundaries to feel like they are fulfilled in, in their roles within, within those projects.
2: Yeah, I think oftentimes when we talk about, again, right, cross-disciplinary Oh my God, this is such an awful word, cross-disciplinary um, collaborations. I think the word collaboration is thrown around a lot without maybe rigorously defining or articulating what that actually means, right? Because when we hear the word collaboration, uh, there are different degrees of what that participation or what that expectation could be. And I like that um, in response, you you kind of emphasize that actually it's it's really important to articulate that, right? And not to maybe give a a false um, sense of what those expectations may be.
6: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Um, And so talking about the long time that it takes to build these kinds of collaborative um, relationships, I think Jeremy and Rizman, both of you were part of a group called Kill Your Television. Uh, which was formed uh, way back in 2002 uh, and one of the the important ideas behind um, KYTV is to explore the boundaries of you know various art forms um, and it was very well known for the kind of performance art projects unfortunately I, I never got to uh, I wasn't so much familiar with the scene back then uh, but I hear a lot about KYTV right and, and the kind of uh, experiments that it was trying to do um, maybe both of you could share a little bit about, you know, what was the impetus um, that uh, lay behind the formation of KYTV, and maybe how how that has impacted your your respective practices as well. I'll start. <laughs> okay. Um,
5: okay. The impetus behind KYTV was was born out of frustration because mm-hmm. being <laughs> being fresh grads, and know, we wanted to to continue our practice, but we didn't have a platform, so. Uh, I think I remember a group of us, we, we were invited to present our paintings in this commercial gallery and, and we brought our works for, for a short preview. Then the gallery owner was saying like, our, our paintings will not look good on someone's living room wall. So so because of that, then we got really angry, you know, being young and dangerous. We just decided to create works out of our comfort zone. So we decided to... to to try performance, you know. So we started collaborating with a lot of artists, actors, uh, singers, dancers, you know. And I mean, not only in the theater space, we we created a lot of site-specific works and we organized art parties. You know, we we were making a lot of mistakes and bad decisions along the way, but it kind of like opened up my world to the possibilities of presenting works in, in different spaces rather than the usual gallery setting. Yeah, I don't know about you, Jeremy.
2: Sorry, Jeremy, I think you're muted. Yeah,
1: I, yeah. Um, just bouncing off Risman, and um, I think it, it really shaped uh, our practices. And I think it was a very formative time in my life as well, and, and Risman's. And I think, uh, I like when he said making mistakes and bad decisions. I think that is really important as an artist to fail and just fuck up. and. Um, uh, like just find your 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 method or your madness somewhere, so somewhere around the lines it will work. Some, somewhere uh, between the disciplines that we are working with, um, and I would say it's because we were also into music, right, Rizman? We loved music. We loved watching films, and um, we loved theater. So it wasn't just about this hegemonic form of like paintings in a gallery so we wanted to explore this whole gamut of what art can be for us also being young and, and inexperienced so I would say like yeah and even after I've, I've left this collectives I mean we were both in KYT, uh, KYTV and also indie bands and um, and I would say that even after leaving them and going into a solo practice you, you kind of like it's part of your experience as, as an artist, so I find myself going back full circle, you know, into a more interdisciplinary practice. Also, with a newfound interest, also in mixed media and uh, music and um, cross disciplinary cross disciplinary practice. And I would agree with you, Sean, too, that um, it's not the same. Um, co- uh, collaboration is not the same, or is not synonymous with interdisciplinary uh, practice. So you can create an interdisciplinary or a cross disciplinary world, but that doesn't may not involve true collaboration. So I think true collaboration involves working with people and you might not agree sometimes on the the ideas that you have at hand. It might go go south. And then I think sometimes it's to just have a little bit faith in where the project is is, is taking you and not have a kind of fixed meaning of what the work should be. So I think that I believe strongly in that uh, collaborative
2: spirit. Yeah, well, there, I think there are a few points I want to pick up from there. I think the first thing just to respond to this man is, um, I really liked what you said about how you know KYTV started as a kind of refusal, right? Like a kind of frustration at the status quo, and and I think that that brings to mind one thing about um, cross disciplinary collaborations that um, oftentimes you know in the act and the process of these kinds of interdisciplinary conversations. Uh, It is also about, you know, deconstructing maybe some of the um, assumptions or values or the kind of hegemonic uh, uh, assumptions that we have inherited, right? That, oh, painting has to be like this, performance theater has to be like this, music has to be like that, right? But then once we enter this stranger world of uh, interdisciplinary conversations, it feels like it's a riskier space, it's a slightly un- un Chartered um, territory where there is an opportunity to maybe reimagine uh, what those rules might be, right? So, in, in some ways, uh, one might generously call these cross disciplinary, cross disciplinary, cross disciplinary conversations uh, uh, not a, a disciplinary one, but an uh, an unruly one, an indiscipline, right? That that is always in the act of um, not calcifying into something, but but you know, there's always this process of deconstruction um, that goes on as well. Um, and you know, I mean, because guess this is the point that, that brought me back to what Regina said earlier about going into uncharted territory together, right? Um and then the 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 second aspect about collaboration. So I think this is, maybe I want to introduce um, a a few terms into this conversation as well, right? Because uh, I think a while back, I I was starting to look at, you know, the the process of collaboration within um, the sciences, right? And and it was very interesting because, for example, in like environmental sciences, etc., there is actually a a huge degree of interdisciplinary conversations that are happening uh, in those spaces, right? Um, Not so much a single author kind of perspective, but you know, in some ways, for 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 to talk about environment, you need to to put to to, to address all the different kinds of uh, disciplinary domains, right? To 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 talk about this larger uh, thing about the environment, for example. And 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 what was very helpful uh, in in looking at that was that you know they were outlining three different models of cross uh, cross disciplinary collaborations, right? So the first one uh, is something that we call multidisciplinary collaborations. That's where you know everyone has a very specific role and everyone keeps to their role, right? So I think uh, theater often can be seen as a multidisciplinary collaboration, right? Uh, it's very clear the light designer, sound designer, the actor. And um, there are many, many disciplines within that, but um, the roles are, are clearly demarcated. And then we have something called like interdisciplinary collaborations, right? Where there is an attempt or different disciplines to kind of uh, begin to uh, uh, be more contagious with with one another trying out each other's disciplines and, and maybe like uh, uh, maybe the dancer is, is, is acting for example or the musician is, is performing etc so so those boundaries begin to fudge a little bit uh, and then the third one uh, we call them uh, transdisciplinary collaborations and i think and those, they're talking about how, you know, maybe that's that feels a little bit like what KYTV was was moving towards. Right. Uh, it's not even about trying to, to stick with any of the specific disciplines anymore, but to see from all these different languages, how can we perhaps reinvent or reimagine a, a completely different uh, field of, of of thinking about the way in which we are making those platforms. forms. Um, yeah, and, and I was just curious to hear maybe from, from each of you, whether those kinds of models of thinking about collaborations, like how how that might resonate with each of your practices or your experiences, actually.
1: Yeah, I think um, with, with what you just said, I came across all these terms as well while doing some research. And I think it's also geared towards this kind of like, also like in this, Climate of like PhD practice where there's a need to a kind of label, a kind of like like which part of disciplinary practice are you in terms of collaboration, right? And there's also this other term called anti-disciplinary, which is like against all disciplines, and you don't know what what the hell is going on. It's just like you're just going without any prior knowledge, or uh, it's or it's a kind of resistance towards all the previous whatever disciplines, are, whatever prefix discipline, right? So, I, but I think at the end of the day, I mean, personally, I don't pay attention to these labels. I guess what's more important is maybe it's like it's a bit like what Regina mentioned, you know, like like you know, it's like working it out and and finding a, a kind of common ground in the end. Yeah, um, what is this new object or this new experience that 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 you're that you're trying to create, whether it's. Um, socially engaged or it's about an experience. Um, and, and, and I find that some other disciplines are already geared towards that. Like, you know, like I find especially um, for example, film, music and theater, they're much more because of their nature and their and their distribution, they're more social-based mediums as opposed to painting on canvas, right? But but that doesn't mean that painting canvas cannot be collaborative, I guess, you know, and cannot be interdisciplinary or whatever, you know, it could be done with robots, even, you know, making paintings. So I think it's just whatever rocks your boat, you know, yeah, yeah. What is this thing that you are after? So it it, it may not be a a very specific um, kind of caption that has to describe your work in the end. You know, it's like, okay, let's have a meeting. Let's have a discussion. This is what I have in mind. you know, this is my ideas that I've been thinking about. Um, So what have you or the others have to offer and can we work this out, you know? Yeah, so I think it really depends on the kind of common ground that you can find in the end or or that you can meet halfway, yeah.
2: So maybe maybe I'll I'll flip the question around, right? Uh, Just to ground it back into then your um, specific experiences in these collaborations and these works. I think one thing that I'm curious to, to also find out is you know what was something that you had to unlearn, right? About the, the kind of disciplines that you've identified with through the processes of these collaborations, right? What were some of the things that you've held so deeply or inherited, but then in the process of having these uh, cross disciplinary conversations, you've had to rethink or or yeah, or, yeah reimagine.
1: Actually, more often than not, is my own preconceived judgment and notions about what art should be. So I think when you stand corrected, it's quite a nice, humble feeling. you know. When um, So let's say I, I, I did a project and I work with an engineer or a scientist who comes from a different background and they set you aside and they, they tell you what is not possible and what is possible. Because you know, as, as, as artists, you have always a grand idea and your ego about what art can be. And I guess maybe Salty brought that out as well about, you know, Working with participants and how it actually, you know, it's not about yourself, right? So I think when um, when 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 the practice is more connected to your participants, whether it's a listener, right, or an audience, right, and you have them in mind, you 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 kind of have to take yourself out of the picture and out of your mind to kind of like involve yourself in this external world. So be it. Um, and, and and really, I don't see... I try not to put a hierarchy to it, like humans over animals or, 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 or objects. It's just how one could work towards a kind of like maybe a, a, a flat ontology and, and in, in terms of what this work can be. So I, it's like, okay, so you want to be corrected or you want to actually um, see where your work or, or what this collaboration can actually teach you. Yeah, but... I, I was involved in projects where it had to be about realizing a certain idea that you have. So I think that is also very, it's a very different way when you um, uh, go into a project where you have an equal share of cards, but th- there are different projects where you need to work with people because they need to kind of realize a, a certain vision that you have. So I think it's, it's quite different. So I think it's, I think it's very important to be aware of what the project entails and, and, and when you say collaboration is to be very careful with, with, uh, with that term. yeah
2: and I think that brings us back to uh, CTS point earlier right about clarifying the roles. Um, so I, I'm curious C for you and the, and the process especially for your community and um, the socially engaged works right what was that process of um, unlearning like for yourself?
6: Mm. Yeah, I think very much like what Jeremy said, unlearning my own preconceived notions, as we all have preconceived notions. And as I work with different groups of people, whether it's children, seniors, prisoners, or just the general public, um, and seeing and framing them as experts of their own lives, um, participating within this framework that I've created or we co create, then that becomes like a humbling experience where I learn more about them as people within their vernacular environments and and like jeremy i don't feel like i I feel like disciplines are, are quite limiting and and i like what jeremy said that question what are you after for me i really resonate with that because i think for me work tends to exist first and foremost as something that moves me like like an idea or something that moves me in everyday life and then it finds its form it's almost like it it has to find its own form. The form finds you rather than you dictating the form of it or the discipline uh, most of the time. And i like to just jump in. Um, It's also
4: about an openness about how, um, you know, in spite of your artistic vision and how clear you want it to be expressed, there is always that room where it will be misconstrued or misinterpreted. And I think that that's actually quite exciting as, as well. I mean, I used to be quite anal you know, or you know controlling about what it is that if, if I want to say this, then that has to be the message received um through the artwork. But I think through collaboration, I had to let I had to unlearn that. I had to really let that go. And how someone else might perceive a site, like my artistic collaborator, how she perceives a site is very much different. And I had to be open to that. But further, I had to be open to how audiences of viewers, you know, uh uh, participants and so on are uh, also coming in with their own uh, interpretations of my work in that side of our work, and um, and that actually is why we call ourselves Perception Tree because we wanted to be open. There's one, two. That's my perception, and then the Siyun's perception. But there is this unknown, which kind of stands in for the the thing that we create, the third the third point of view that we create. But it also is about how audiences might perceive the work which is always an unknown and, uh, and that's exciting to us but we had to learn that along the way to be comfortable with that yeah. I think that
2: the degree of the unknown changes yeah. when we talk about uh, these kinds of uh, you know when the works that don't sit too comfortably in one discipline or another because our mm-hmm. assumptions about who the audience are going to be uh, uh, kind of off the, you know, there, there's, there's no marker for that, right? Or, or when we are working with communities as well. Um, I, I, which kind, of, I mean, that reminds me a bit of um, this month's work uh, that he shared earlier with bus stop art, right? There's something very democratic about that process, inviting uh, the public to participate in that and in some ways uh, undoing the, the kind of elite label that's often attached to art, especially during Singapore Art Week specifically as well. Yeah, I mean
5: like talking about discipline, I think for me, I mean, I, I I got involved in theater uh like maybe say 15 years ago. So I didn't really unlearn my discipline, but I, I use it to my own advantage because that's the only way I know how to to use my practice as, as as part of the process. So basically, like when when I need to do research for characters, I will start drawing the, the characters. Uh, rather than thinking about the text then from the characters then i kind of like translate it to to the body then I, I i start to move around i think that's the only way i understand how to create a character when it comes to uh presenting a play yeah mm-hmm. so my my I, I i think like a visual artist when i'm acting yeah come to think of it yeah
2: that's fascinating um i i think we've got some questions from our audience uh, i'm going to pick this one. Um, what prompts the desire to collaborate across disciplines or to occupy different spaces in different disciplines? Uh, in the case of Risk mind do the disciplines always feed into one another? And is it sometimes easier or more compelling to stick within one discipline?
5: Uh, I think for me, it comes naturally probably because of uh, how, I mean, the environment back then when I was in in the cell. So it's pretty much like the studio is not only about painting. We had like musical instruments in the space. And like during breaks, we'll start, you know, breaking into spontaneous performance. I think then we had this whole kind of like cross-elective uh program in school. We learned about pop music, there was like movement class. So it was just jumping in and out and like doing I think doing crazy things back in schools so to me. I think this—the whole idea of cross-discipline it, for us—I think for myself and Jeremy—it's it's, a—it's a natural process, uh, you know, since the since the early two thousand. So yeah, to me, it's I ease into like different discipline, you know, pretty much
2: comfortably. Actually, I mean, uh, this is interesting because then I'm also curious for for the rest of you. Right, was there a um, was there a specific project or moment that prompted this paradigm shift into something that's more kind of Cross disciplinary. I know, I know, Visman, you already said that you, you, you began already cross disciplinary to some extent, right? Um, but uh, how about for the rest of you? Was there a specific project where you started to, you felt more compelled or pushed you into thinking in, uh, beyond these disciplinary boundaries?
4: I would say for myself, it, it really was um, dipping the toe into doing site specific work. Um, I've always been interested in spaces and then you know to take that on is it's not something that one can do by yourself. Um, and I felt like to realize, you know the, the vision that we had put together, we really needed to dig deep across disciplines to have that conversation about, okay, how do we interrogate this site? So it wasn't just about how do we realize and fabricate something. But how do, how do we view site in a different way? How do we view, um, you know, histories of a certain site that we wanted to surface? So those conversations were quite interesting. Um, so even though, you know, we couldn't call our relationship with the curators at the time of, of the Singapore Biennale, we couldn't call that relationship a, a collaborative one because it was hierarchical in a form. Um, but it was cooperative to a certain level that, because they were coming from different sort of their own respective disciplines of, say, writing or from architecture and so forth. And that sort of allowed us to learn about the site through their eyes, in a way. So we were interested in that. And I think um, we go into every sort of um, opportunity for collaboration beyond ourselves with that question of, okay, what could we possibly learn here? Or is there an opportunity to see our own practice in a different light because of we you know because of one you know wanting to handle um, these different perspectives you know to to be able to receive these different questions coming from different uh, people and, and practices and all that so um, yeah that's that that's usually the impetus for wanting to get into a collaborative space.
2: Yeah. Thank you. How about for you, Jeremy or Cynthia? Was there a particular project that was um, notable for you that kind of prompted you into this kind of cross-disciplinary practice?
1: You want to go first, teacher?
6: Um, okay. Um, I don't really think so because I always never I never quite identified with just one discipline. Mm-hmm. But maybe if I have to, if I had to pick one, it was a very long-ago project I made. It was a a film about elderly love and sex in Singapore called Post Love. I made it with Amanda Lee Ko, who's now a writer. And I feel like in that project, we engaged in writing, we engaged in like socially engaged kind of interactions with seniors and, and also film. And um, we engaged with all sorts of different things like fantasy. And, and so I think that really, that helped me to to see or experience a project that um, was not bounded just by like oh I'm identifying with the lineage of film and this is what it has to look like um, and it has to be sleek and go to festivals and whatnot you know but but we were given we had that space to be really experimental and and scrappy and and that's something I really value mm. in in art making.
1: Yeah, I I think. For me, it's not so much a problem of discipline. I mean, for me, it always come from. Um, it always come from desire to create something. So I mean, it's just where, uh, what medium will be or what discipline would be the best to realize the project. But I had a particular problem. Uh, yeah, I had a particular problem with a previous project where I was collecting songs from different communities and this was the first time that I had to deal with specific communities and I think I had a problem um, which had to do more with ethics of representation. So I was collecting songs from the, the Orang Slater and collecting songs from the Rohingya community and from the Japanese community around Southeast Asia. So it was a, for a project um, in the armenian Gallery that was like two years ago. And I think for me, um, it was a problem of trying to do this with empathy and to do it correctly and not it's about my own project. So I, I really, I think I, for the first time in my life, I really grappled with that because I grappled with the form of trying to represent them in this sound installation. And also for the sound installation to be within the premise of a high lux brand, you know, like uh, like, like, like so. I think the only way for me to deal with it was to address it in my writing. Um, that um, um, Yeah, so we did a kind of like a mini publication about how the project went about. So I think it's to acknowledge the process of about how I'm not really trying to represent them, but I'm just trying to do a project and it's about my entanglement with this community and trying to um, bring these songs to, uh, I wouldn't even say awareness, but bring the songs to being, you know, so... Um, uh, uh, and that to make uh, and to be realistic, that like in the end, I'm just an artist, I'm, 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 I'm like that, I'm trying to create a project, and it's not, I'm not an ethnographer or, 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 or a musicologist or whatnot. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so I think it's just to acknowledge these problems within the project. So, it's not really a problem relating to discipline, but I think
2: has to do with
1: the ethics of presentation i guess
2: yeah Yeah. so this is interesting because i and i think this was like a thread that was always um blatant in the conversation already i mean we started by talking about uh, cross-disciplinary projects but i think there's also a degree here um uh, in each of the projects described of almost like a kind of cross-sectoral collaborations right that we're not just Working within um, artistic disciplines, but we're also working uh, with and across different uh, communities as well. And so, I have a question about frame, right? The framing of a project. Um, have you know? Because all of you are, uh, uh, I mean, it's it's hard to to easily put a frame around your practice and project and say this is um, a film or or this is a um, uh, a painting, or this is just right. It always exceeds those kinds of boundaries, right? And I'm curious um, whether there were instances where each of you had to grapple with some of those limitations of the of of the frames that you were um, having to negotiate with.
4: I think for Perception Three, um, it's not so much the frame, but um, unless you call the platform, the frame, um, because we've been invited to platforms that um, usually sit within a, a national festival, um, like some of the work that we, I mean, the work that we did for the bicentennial perhaps. So some of these platforms as frames are quite fixed. And it usually, I would say it, it, it isn't a collaborative conversation that one has with the organizers because it's quite hierarchical. There usually is an agenda Um, the agenda serves the greater public, whatever that imagined public is. And um, so that is the thing that we grapple with. We tend to grapple with those and we have to negotiate because um, the way that we approach every invitation that we're we're given is that how could we then interrogate this platform to surface saying notions um, that maybe have not been surfaced before how do we, you know, um, put out a provocation or a suggestion of looking at this platform in a different way, which is uh, kind of what we're trying to do with true bus stop art. I mean, on in a one sense, you could see our print campaign as sort of like anti-advertising, you know, if you want to go there. Because, um, you know, in advertising, you buy stuff to feel better. But then what we're saying is that, you know, you could buy stuff, you can look at an ad, it won't make you feel better. I mean, that's one way of looking at it. So I mean, we we use these platforms to interrogate them, but then we have to work within the frame ultimately of the festival. We have to make festival organizers look good. I mean, we want them to look good, you know, to a certain extent. Um, yeah. So I I would say that that's how we tend to approach it. Yeah, in 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 a way.
2: And I, yeah, thanks so much for that. How how about for for you, CC? Because I know earlier you mentioned about. Uh, uh, there was a component for, for the project you're, you're working with, Ila, where you're kind of soliciting responses from the public, right? But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about what that process is like uh, in terms of trying to, to engage with, um, um, what kind of entry points these respondents have towards the, the kind of questions that you were offering? I, I tried to respond to, to uh, the Google form as well. I found it like, emotionally quite quite challenging and um, to enter that that space and yeah i'm curious how, how you were how the both of you were trying to um i guess frame the encounter for for the prospective respondents
6: mm, yeah thanks for sharing that um well it's a very small kind of open call that we just publicized through well, Instagram. And, and in the, the form, like the, the text that we crafted, we start off with like our own very intimate memories as a way of being vulnerable first and then inviting people into that vulnerability. And we make it clear like how we might be using pieces of those uh, memories in the installation or the performance. Um, I wanted to add on to something that Regina said. I, was, I think I was a bit lost with the question, but uh, in, in response to what Regina said about the frame, I feel like um, it's always important or, or interesting or, or like a good challenge to ch- to, um, to be provocative within the frame or, or that space that, that you are given, um, to highlight things that that institution that gave you that space might not usually highlight, and that you as the artist have the privilege and access of highlighting through your being in the space. Like, like for example, uh, if I may reference a past project, I was the artist in residence at this university in Massachusetts, and I created a project where I interviewed the security and maintenance staff of the art building, um, because I was thinking about inside and outsider roles within the art world, and I put their thoughts on the walls of the building as no quotes. So usually they are like just these observers who are considered outsiders to the art world but here they get to be the art and have themselves mm-hmm. centered. There's just one example I can think of in terms of the idea of frame and uh, provocation.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's all about deconstructing the frames, right, and, and challenging those assumptions. And not just of the discipline itself, but again coming back to the question of who is art, who gets to participate in this art world, who gets to be the object of the art and who gets to view these works, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, how about for you, Risman? Because I, I know that your practice is so eclectic, right? As a performer, uh, as a visual artist, as a musician. Like, I'm wondering whether there were ever any moments where um, your practice becomes um, a bit illegible within each, any of these kinds of frames that you might have been uh, involved in.
5: Uh, I don't know. For me, I I think personally as an artist, I uh, I I can adapt to environment and situation very easily, and I like to get drowned in in situations. Especially, for example, like when I started understanding how to de- devise a piece of theatre. So coming from a visual arts uh, background, I didn't I didn't understand what was devising. So. So basically, I was spending some time with with, uh, Ong Kang Sen, we were were working on a a piece. So it was like a month of of devising. So for me, the best part of it is to observe uh, other actors, other other performers, how they create in, in such an environment. So yeah, for me, it's just about getting drowned and not knowing anything, but I think based on, on my observation skills, I, I learned, for uh, for every production, for me, it's a it's a, a good learning experience. Yeah, let's say, for example, back then, talking about paradigm shift, right? Uh, back then, I think 20 years ago, the necessary stage had this event called Names Change to Protect the Innocent. I think it was by Jeff Chen. So I was, it was my first black box experience. I think it was Susie Lingam's piece. So... I think I, I still I think I was still in school. So she, she invited me over. What the instruction given to me was uh, to translate her text into movement. So for me, I think that was that was very liberating. At the same time, it was a quite a daunting experience having to step into a, a theater space and having to, to present this body with like live audience. I think, yeah, I think that was that, that kind of like shifted everything for me. So yeah, it was yeah life changing.
2: Now that's a such a great anecdote that you shared. I think that also reminds me about how you know the conversations around what is um, considered cross disciplinary. Like, is I mean, it's not a recent conversation, right? Like as you mentioned, since the early two thousands, there were all these kinds of platforms that were already available. But perhaps what were the stakes of cross cross disciplinary conversations um, have also like shifted over the years and. Um, I think okay. Well, I I noticed that we are quickly running out of time. And um, there's a there's a question from Nadia uh, for for each of you. Um, is there an interdisciplinary artist whom you admire and why?
4: I'll just jump in because Risman, uh, <laughs> Risman mentioned Susie Lingham, and she is for me one one of my. Um, yeah, um, uh, she's a person that I look up to, um, really brilliant um, as an interdisciplinary thinker, really. I mean, and um, conversations that I've had with her have, you know, we we she manages the code switch from philosophy to visual art to music to theatre. And in a span of a short conversation, you feel like you've learned so much. And uh, yeah, so she really is the one, if I had to name just one.
5: Uh, for me i think it's uh hozunian Ho uh, i had the privilege of working with him for like, a couple of projects uh i think hozunian likes to to combine things fearlessly like he will challenge you as an artist uh like for example uh, I, this is a kind of like a personal story so basically his idea to create a performance is how you can present powerpoint a powerpoint presentation in a in a theater form so that was mind-boggling for me (laughs) it took a while for me to understand the 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 concept yeah i think yeah for me it's frozen
6: okay i'll go (laughs) um for me it's roy roy payamau who's one of singapore's first street performers and he writes lots of poems he takes pictures of things on the ground and finds shapes in them videos of things happening in everyday life and kind of like I consider him to be like someone who is kind of an outsider but insider to the art world on on the fringes and you know, basking is not really talked about within the discourse of contemporary art, and I find that also an interesting thing to to think about.
1: Yeah, oh god, I'm just thinking of names. Um... What's coming to my mind now? It's uh, it's the Belgian artist uh, Francis Ellis. I think uh, his work. I admire him because his work has a lot of humility and and and, 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 and a lot of poetics as well. Um, uh, his work crosses paintings, writing, installation, performance, video, and um, and he also engages with the com- the community that, that that he's involved in wherever he's at and also because he's a nomad he never stays in one place and i think his for me his work addresses that you know like being is quite fleeting you know so i i kind of like that 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 idea that you know it's it's forever in flux and it's always mutable so like and you see that in his work yeah so yeah yeah, I,
2: I I kind of want to just draw a few threads, right, um, and that's, you know, something that that, that really stayed with me from um, Rizman's uh, sharing earlier is, you know, again, this point that we keep coming back to, this whole point about the humility, the unknowing of these processes, right, um, and, and one thing that I also wanted to remark on was I notice, as you describe each of your projects, there's always something that is quite affirmative uh, uh, in in them, whether it's about uh, uh, this reimagining of a, a possibility of a world, or or about who gets to to be um, in these conversations with us. And I think somehow that that there's a there's a kind of promise of cross disciplinary uh, um, practices or processes, right? Especially at a time when the future feels so uncertain and, and, and so volatile at this point. Um, it, it feels like a, a very necessary point for, for a kind of world building potential to, to emerge in in, in reimagining. right? Uh, what are the kind of conversations, who do we get to have these conversations with in our arts practices? And what kind of uh, um, uh, uh, who do you want to, to, to engage as our audiences as well and collaborators. Um, I, think, I think on that note, I really wanted to, to thank um, all of you so much for your very, very generous sharing. I think this conversation could go on for, for a lot longer, um, but I think this is at least a, a very quick teaser of your respective practices. I'm very much looking forward to um, how they will unfold uh, uh, in Singapore. Art Day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
4: Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Thank you, everyone, for joining us uh, for the past hour. Before we conclude, um, I would like to invite all of you to join us for the rest of our program, uh, which is organized in partnership with Singapore Art Week 2021. So do tune in for our next discussion, um, which would happen on 7th of January 2021. Uh, It is titled IRL, or WWW, um, Between Physical and Virtual Spaces and it would feature Kirti Upadhyaya, Assistant Curator of O Open House, Tulika Ahuja, Curator and Founder of Mama Magnet, Nature Shankar, Co-Founder of Our Softest Hour, Teo Yehan, Artist and Co-Founder of Intermission, and the conversation will be moderated by Celine Yap, Assistant Curator at Singapore Art Museum. Um, thank you and have a good evening and please visit us at uh, artandmarket.net for more information and for the sign up. Thank you and have a good evening.